1: It's a six and a touchdown.
3: Bell into the middle of that
1: line. And it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately he yes. got the handoff. You know this. The QAnator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the
0: DOJ Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So, for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So, let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Jim D. He says Any buzz on a Warford signing? Been very quiet. Teams must be holding on until June 1st when more money is available. That's probably part of it I think also Warford wants A multi-year deal That's certainly What's keeping the Jets From going after him I think as Chris said They don't want to do Future spending That's why you heard With Logan Ryan It was all about A one-year deal If they were to get Jason Peters at some point It would be on a One-year deal I think that's why The Jets haven't really Strongly pursued Warford As for the other teams It's probably that Combination of June 1st Some uncertainty Surrounding everything With coronavirus And financial. Finances future commitments it's just a bad time to have been cut loose by a team So I think that's really what's playing into everything but ultimately I don't Think the Jets are going to be a serious suitor for him
1: Yeah again that's definitely uh, what's going on with him in relation to the Jets I can't speak to all the other teams but I do know that other teams are Definitely hesitant to spend money uh, going into the future too um for the same they don't know how much they're going to make this year they we don't know as much as they're going forth and they're going to a hundred percent try this and they're acting like nothing's going to happen there's still no way that you can sit here and tell me with a straight face that you a hundred percent know that this isn't going to get worse uh by the time the season starts and then they'll have to cancel the season um so the teams aren't looking to do that and the Jets. I know that's the case there. Um and you know that is this isn't they're not going for a Super Bowl here. Um so they're not they're not going to do that. Um it, he would definitely help. Uh it would I would be trying to do it, but that's just not going to be the case here. They're just not going to spend long-term money right now.
0: Next question comes in from Lead Riot. He says, I'm really high on the Jets' defense this year. Given the players returning from injury, the new acquisitions, and assuming no major injuries, how could the defense possibly regress? Simple. They're playing against better teams this year. (laughs) That's really all there is to it. There are reasons to be optimistic because, as you said, they're getting back their inside linebacker combination of Mosley and Williamson. We're hoping that Quinn and Williams takes that next step. They also went out and improved the cornerback position, at least on paper. And so there's reason to be optimistic that this defense can be good, but the regression possibility is based on who they are playing. Look at who they're going up against, the 49ers, the Chiefs, even Arizona could be a big problem for them You've got Kyler Murray stepping into his second year And now you've got DeAndre Hopkins there So you could go down the list But there's some really good offenses That they're going to have to deal with this year And that's where the regression possibilities come in Because they played a lot of really bad offenses last year And that helped their ranking quite a bit
1: Yeah, especially in that second half of the season When that, uh, the defense really did most of their work uh, that's, that's the biggest thing The level of competition is going to be much different this year. Um, But you also look – as bad as they were as a whole with that cornerback position group, they were able – by juggling things around, they were able to get a couple good games out of Hairston. They were able to get a couple of good games out of Blesson-Austin. They were able to get a couple of good games out of of people that I don't know that they're going to be able to get this year, even with the – on paper, upgraded cornerbacks there. Uh, Brian Poole, another example, he had a career year last year. So, again, I've said this before, I think that part of that is he's just a better fit in Greg Williams' defense. Greg Williams uh, knew how to use him, play to his strengths more. But I'd be foolish to not expect a little bit of regression in his play considering how great he was last year. Um, Also, on the defensive line, uh, Nathan Shepard and Folo Faticasi, uh Phillips, they all played great at spurts. Uh, am I banking on them to all play as good again this year? I don't know about that. Um, and again, back to the schedule. Uh, you know, you rattled off a few teams, but even look at the Broncos. They're going to have to play the mm-hmm. Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Broncos have weapons everywhere now. I, I still have questions about Drew Locke, but – Uh, You know, they're going to have to play Seattle and Russell Wilson. They're going to have to play the Cardinals, like you said. And the the Rams are still going to be there. The Rams aren't what they were two years ago. But they can still – they're going to face a much more daunting schedule this year and much better offenses. Um, So I just – I don't know how you can look at the schedule they played last year, look at when they played good and when they played bad, also add into the factor the road games that they're going to traveling to have to deal with. I don't know how you can expect there not to be some type of regression. Now, what you're hoping is that the you know uh, Quinn and Williams takes another step. having the two inside guys back helps even that regression out a little bit. But to think that there's not going to be some type of regression with this defense is just being kind of naive uh, at this point. There's, there's going to be something along the way there. Um, You just hope that, like I said, it balances out a little bit.
0: Next question comes in from Michael Parsons in the UK, the Iceman, Michael Parsons. You want to know why I call him the Iceman? It's after the Iceman King Parsons, one of the great wrestlers of the territorial days. And by the way, you're a wrestling fan and you're familiar with the rock calling people rudy poo candy asses guess where he got the term rudy poo from it was from the iceman king parsons so you can go ahead and look that up you'll see the iceman was the originator of rudy poo michael parsons says do you guys dislike ryan fitzpatrick because even after the buffalo game and the contract situation i still watch him and can't dislike him I'm kind of ambivalent on Ryan Fitzpatrick, honestly. I don't know him personally, so I don't have that strong of a vibe. And as far as him as a player, uh, whatever. I understand why he wanted his contract, and he did okay in 2015. I think people really blew up the season that he had when he really wasn't anywhere near as good as people said. Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker made him look a lot better than he really was. He threw a lot of interceptable passes that those guys snatched. The team did unexpectedly better than they were supposed to. And on top of that, Fitzpatrick ended up stepping in after the Geno fiasco. So that was a fun year. I don't really care that much about him one way or the other, to be honest. I don't hate or love him or even really feel in the middle about him. I just kind of see him and shrug my shoulders. Any particular feelings towards Fitzpatrick, Chris?
1: Well, first, I just want to say... I feel bad for what you did to the poor guy by calling him Iceman because I just think Iceman and I think of Iceman Richard K- Kuklinski, the serial killer from New Jersey. So I, that now you just made me associate <laughs> this poor guy with a serial killer. What about Iceman uh, Chuck Liddell, UFC yeah, champion? Okay, and there's George Gervin too, but mm-hmm. – this. I've seen so many documentaries and stuff I remember in high school I saw something on this dude Because he's from New Jersey And so I hear Iceman And that that's where my brain goes So <laughs> now, now I think of this poor uh, uh, tweeter And I'm just going to think of a serial killer
0: I would just like to point out by the way That that says more about you than it does about me Or about Michael nope. Or about Iceman nope. King Parsons
1: Nope, nope It says it all about you <laughs> um, So So uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick man is this complicated and how am I going to word this correctly um with uh, first off I I genuinely love and enjoy watching him play because it is a roller coaster uh, and especially not I it got extremely frustrating watching covering him but to be able to just like there's a game on at on one o'clock or four o'clock and I just get to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick. Again, this is, it's Jameis Winston falls in this category. I have no idea what's going to happen on any given play, and I'm here for that. I am always here for that. Uh, I'm very, and this is a, another thing kind of similar to the Jamal thing. All, most of the stuff Ryan Fitzpatrick I'm sick about isn't really his fault. It's not his fault that People will go, oh, my God, did you know that he went to Harvard? Yes, we all know he went to Harvard. Can you just stop it already? We all know this. If you know the name Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know this. It's not cute anymore. I, I have a little more complicated feelings with him because of the way that he was often portrayed as – this great locker room guy in uniter. And I know some things in there that wasn't the case. And there's lots of people in that locker room who weren't his biggest fans for good reasons, but I still love watching him play because he, and anybody that reckless and, and not just with the football, but with his own health and like his own head, um, that's obviously bad, but like watching him, he's a wrecking ball out there. Um, but yeah, most of the things that annoy me about Ryan Fitzpatrick aren't due to his fault at all. It's due to the way that people talk about him. And then the idea that, you know, somebody like him gets chance after chance after chance and always finds his way back in. But then other people, other quarterbacks who probably deserve another chance, another opportunity don't, but that's not his fault. So I, I don't fault him for that.
2: Play like a
0: jet. Play like a jet. Next series of questions comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, have either of you two been to New Haven and either had Pepe's, Sally's, or Modern? Curious to see how you would rate that pizza compared to New York City and New Jersey. Also, what's the best frozen pizza you've ever had? I have been to Pepe's. It was good. I don't think it was as good as New York or New Jersey. I've always said that my rankings for pizza are New York all the way at the top. New Jersey as a somewhat close second. And then New Haven at number three. Everything beneath that really doesn't even rate. And we've talked about Chicago Deep Dish. I enjoy it for what it is, but it's not actually pizza. And I will also make this disclaimer. We're talking about... Americanized pizza I'm not even rating Italy pizza Because that's not A fair comparison And as far as Frozen pizza I've always had a bit Of a soft spot For Elio's It's not great But I enjoy it For what it is It doesn't pretend To be something Other than what It's supposed to be I know is Not bad And actually Costco Has pretty solid Frozen pizza If you're looking To go that route but I have a soft spot for Ilios, and it might have something to do with the fact that I enjoyed it as a snack when I was a kid.
1: I have been to New Haven, but I, I I don't think I ever got pizza when I was there, or if I did, I don't know where I got it from. I mean, this was 20 years ago I was in New Haven. I don't spend a lot of time in Connecticut, so I, I'll have to uh, absolve myself from judging uh, the Connecticut pizza. Uh, as far as frozen pizzas, I typically— not what I'm trying to go for. I do uh, I do like the DiGiorno's, though. The, the only key is you, you put it in the the oven or a toaster oven, as I do, and then after it's cooked, you got to, like, get something flat and press down on it. This is the trick to eating frozen pizza so you don't burn the, uh, the roof of your mouth is you got to press down on it to squeeze out all that tomato sauce because if you just bite into it, then it's, it'll – start with the cheese and then the tomato sauce creeps out. And that's what, how you burn the roof of your mouth. So you got to put something flat, squeeze out the extra t- tomato sauce in there and then spread it around or brush it off, whatever you got to do. But zorro frozen pizza. Isn't it in a pinch? It's not that bad. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't compare to regular pizza uh, in this area, but it's not that bad. So just do that trick smush it down so you don't burn the roof of your mouth. But I'd go to Giordano's the there.
0: I have to say that obviously when I grade frozen pizza, I'm not grading it as pizza. I'm just grading it as how do I feel about these particular brands? Because I always think of frozen pizza as something that I have as a snack. I never really have it as a meal, and I think that's part of being spoiled living around here for most of my life. Is that? I've had the opportunity to get the real stuff, so the frozen pizza was just something I might have as a snack to hold me over before dinner or something like that. If I live somewhere else, then I might have to worry about this a little bit more, although honestly, I have my own pizza maker, and I know how to make my own pizza, so I'd probably just do that. In fact, that is what I did when I lived out of state in the past. I just made my own pizza rather than the frozen pizza, but if you're in a pinch and you just want a snack... Something like the journal, like you said, or as I said, when I was a kid, Ilios was something that I enjoyed. I haven't had it in a really long time. Michael Christopher continues, looking at the list of coaches the team interviewed in 2015, which one would you have hired knowing what they turned into? Anthony Lynn, Dan Quinn, Tom Cable, Doug Marone, Frank Reich, Sean McDermott. Also, two years back, there was talk about trading for John Harbaugh. Which coaches would you send a first-round pick for today? Also disclaimer Gary Kubiak denied the Jets permission to interview him in 2015 so I didn't put him on the list even though they wanted to interview him. So we'll start with the first part of this. I would hire McDermott if I had to pick from that list. Reich is the other one that I would consider. I don't really like the other guys that much but I do like McDermott. I think he's done an excellent job in Buffalo. The only question I would have is the quarterback development but I think that he's smart enough to hire somebody that would do a good job with Sam Darnold, and he's not as stubborn as somebody like Adam Gase, so I'd be okay with that. McDermott would probably be my first choice, and then Reich. And then as far as who I would trade a first-round pick for with coaches – Really aren't many to be honest with you I still feel like you can Have a really good coach but if You don't have somebody building the Roster that knows what they're doing it's Not as valuable as A lot of people make it out to be I suppose you might be able to twist my arm into somebody like John Harbaugh. Certainly Bill Belichick, that's an exception. But beyond that, I don't know. I'm not so sure that I would give up a first-round pick for anybody else. If you want to make a case for McVay, I suppose you could. Although I think some of the bloom is off that, Rose. You want to make a case for Pete Carroll, I guess you could make that case too if you like. Andy Reid, I like him, but I don't know. Would it be worth giving up a first-round pick, especially since he's... Up there in age now So these are things to think about Those are the guys that I would at least consider I think, I don't know that there's any other coach In the league right now That would really give real consideration to Maybe Sean Payton actually He's another one So only a handful of coaches that I would even consider So Chris, what do you think Coaches that you would think about giving up a first round pick for and which of those coaching candidates that the Jets interviewed in 2015 would you hire if you could go back in time knowing what you know now and make the hire again?
1: McDermott, 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 just McDermott. Uh, (laughs) That's the clear cut number one. I'd also, uh, Anthony Lynn, I think is a good coach too. Uh, I do, I, I agree with you on Reich. Um, but this is easy answer. McDermott. Um, I, I, I love everything about how he has coached and, in Buffalo and the way he is delegated, uh, to the offense and everything that he's done. Um, that's, that's an easy choice for me as far as trading away a first. I don't know. I mean, obviously Belichick, but obviously not happening. Um, I don't know that I would give up a first for anybody, but you know, there's there's one guy you didn't mention that would be at the top of my list for what I'd be willing to do, and that would be Kyle Shanahan. Mm, um, yes, yes. I just I just think his offensive acumen, what he can do with it, doesn't it really doesn't matter the pieces that you give him on offense. He's going to find a way to make it at least competent, and if you give him Good to solid stuff to work with. He's going to make them one of the better better offenses in the league. So if if aside from Belichick, I think I would give up the most for Kyle Shanahan. I don't, you know, I don't think I I'd, I'd go with a first for him. Uh, maybe if you get uh, a late enough first, but uh, you know, I'm 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 not really excited about the idea of trading a top ten pick for him or anything like that. But if I'm going to trade for somebody not named Belichick, it would be Kyle Shanahan.
0: This is what happens when you answer these live stream of consciousness. Sometimes you forget some of the more obvious answers. That's obviously an excellent one. Next question comes in from Ian Steiner. He says, have you ever noticed that Sam Darnold doesn't step into his throws, but instead plants his feet and just uses his upper body strength to throw the ball? He does that sometimes. It's weird because... Toward the end of his rookie year He stopped a lot of those bad habits With Jeremy Bates And then he reverted to them More than you would have liked last year So the question is going to be How can they get him to stop doing those things It's not like he does that on every single throw But he does it enough that it becomes noticeable And that's a problem So you hope That Adam Gase, Dowell Loggins, and now Joe Flacco can work with him on that. Although, based on what we saw last year, no reason to be optimistic that those guys are going to be able to do much. You have to hope that Sam Darnold is good enough to overcome their mediocre to bad coaching, which is what we've come to expect from those guys.
1: Yeah, now there's partly his, just the way he can flick his wrist, sometimes he can do that and it's not a problem at all um and sometimes you know you have to do that you're not able to step into a throw so it's good to have that in your arsenal he does rely on it uh, or do it too often and sometimes when it's he could step into the throw but this is a simple answer here it's coaching and poor talent around him It that was what it was in USC where he had poor coaching and uh poor talent around him and that's what has been here um and like you pointed out he started to kind of get that kind of ironed out a little bit towards the end of his rookie year and then it came back last year with uh you know after the mono and the offensive line and receivers not able to get open um you develop bad habits when you have when you're forced into those types of situations. And that's why this is this such a big year here? Because you can't continue with those bad habits. It has to break. And in order for that to break the stuff around him has to be better. He has to get more time. Receivers have to be able to get open. And he has to have the time to step into the throw to be able to do that. If he's only getting that a handful of times a game, but the other 20 attempts he's got to throw off his back foot or he can't physically step in because someone's coming at his face, then he's not ever going to step into that throw when it is there for him.
0: That's going to wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbley and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given the show a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.